isn't that song uh, uh, I'm Beautiful, He's Beautiful, that, that song just catches me every single time. Uh, it reminds me of my youth, it reminds me of when I was at a youth camp and that song was just released, I'm not sure what year that was but it probably shows my age and um, I have to say that even still it has a prophetic impact doesn't it and, 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 and it, it just brings me to tears because it reminds me of who he is and what he's done and where he's taken me from, and where I'm going to. It's just incredible. Anyways, right, we're going to start the talk. Today we're talking on Acts 14, and uh, we continue our uh, series in Acts. We're about halfway through the book now, but we are actually just come to the end of a subsection of the book, and it's an exciting one because it's all about Paul's adventure, and it's his first adventure of, of many actually to come. Now, obviously at the time, he didn't know that. He just was thinking that this was what he was going to do. We, we have the, the advantage of knowing the end of the story. We have the advantage of knowing that there, were, there was much more to come. What are you like with adventures? Different people have different interpretations of what an adventure is. I realize that, but I love adventures. I love going on them. I love reading about other people's as well. What about Ronald Fiennes? I've been to a number of his lectures and I, and I hear of the adventures that he's been on, the way that he prepares meticulously, the way that he gets fit as he's going to the North or to the South Pole. What about somebody who's maybe slightly less well-known, who you may or may not have heard of, somebody called Paddy Main. Now, Paddy Main was one of the founders of the SAS. His story is incredible, and the way that he represented Ireland for rugby, the, the British and Irish Lions uh, in rugby too, against South Africa, which is an on-point theme for this upcoming summer. What about somebody like Sir Edmund Hillary? I've got a book at home um, that is written uh, about him and about his um, exploits to Everest. And within that book, there is just list, page after page after page of lists of what he needed to take with him as he went on his adventure. A few years ago, I read a book by a guy called Guy Grieve, who we almost certainly won't have heard of. I've not heard of him before or since. And he was a Scottish uh, journalist who decided to go and live in Alaska for a whole winter to see if he could. It was a great exploit. He had no skills, almost no kit. It was incredible, really. And he survived by the skin of his teeth. I wonder what Paul was like when he was going to go on this first adventure? Do you think he was in the, the equivalent of the go outdoors catalogue, looking at what footwear he should wear or what um, waterproof top or sun hat or whatever he thought was appropriate? Do you think it was like that? Or do you think he was a little bit more like Jesus' uh, command to the disciples as he sent them out, which is basically just wear what you've got and go for it? I think we live in an environment and in a world that wants to prepare so meticulously that we almost paralyze ourselves from getting off on the first step. But um, we have read here and Paul went on his journey with Barnabas. He went in team and it was an exciting journey. And so we're going to recap now because we've had three talks before this one and each talk leads to this final summary. 
So Martin started us off and it was about the calling and, and about Paul starting on his journey. We knew, and because we've read and we also know because we read our Bibles, I'm sure, that Paul was saved miraculously. He was uh, an amazing Jew, a Jew of all Jews. He knew his um, scriptures, he knew his scrolls, and yet he needed to be saved miraculously because he was persecuting um, Jesus' people and Jesus himself, in fact. Martin continued to talk about the, the way that, he was, uh, that Paul was called and that he was saved miraculously. But then it took between 10, 12, 13 years, something like that, before he then went on into being within the spotlight. He was taken out of the spotlight for a time. I wonder what he was doing during that time. I wonder what preparation he was doing as he was taken out of the spotlight There are time gaps in callings, and this was one of the points that Martin made, that sometimes we can feel quite disillusioned or hurt. But actually, it happens to many people within the Bible, and we need to take a re-look a re at the way that the people in the Bible reacted, rather than the way that we react, because our culture says, now, now, now. It takes a bold person, I think, to argue with God about timing, to say, no, I'm ready, and God, you're wrong. Paul seemingly didn't do that. Paul took this time to prepare well. Martin made five points at the end of his talk. Uh, that was the first one. The second one was that this is a strategic moment in the life of our church and that the time is now for a move forward and that we need to be on the front foot. Joe's word fits into that neatly. The third point that he made was that there is a risk to radical obedience. But that it's always worth it. We need to look at the way that our lives are and the way that we're going to be obedient and the impact that that might have. But it will be worth it because when we're obedient, he blesses us. His fourth point was about spiritual warfare and that that follows the gospel. That we don't go chasing it, but we deal with it as and when it arises. And the fifth point was about local evangelism. And we're going to come back to a couple of those points in my talk too. Then we moved on and Josh spoke. And this was the first recorded uh, talk of Paul, the first sermon of Paul. And I think there again, we, we began to see some of the things that he'd been wrestling with in his time out, out of the spotlight. He'd been wrestling with his knowledge and his experience and, and, how that, and what that meant and where did Jesus fit into it. We saw that as he spoke, he gave a histor uh, historical context and then he moved forward into what is now and what is the kingdom of God. What is the gospel or the gospel is a subset of that. And Josh finished, do you remember, with um, the, uh, the illustration of how do you dress when you go to the seaside? Are you the type to sort of roll your, roll your trousers up and sort of risk it and just go in at ankle deep and run out uh, as soon as a little wave comes? Or you're a little bit more adventurous, you like the shorts and you don't mind too much if they get wet, but you definitely don't want your t-shirt to get wet. I think his encouragement, he didn't say it as such, but his encouragement is, let's get our swimming trunks on, let's get our swimsuits on, let's get in there, let's go for it. 
And his illustration was well made because we often set limits, don't we? We set limits upon ourselves by the way that we are, the way that we act. But his encouragement was that we shouldn't set limits upon God because he wants to do amazing things uh, through us and amongst us and for us. And then last week we had Roland who gave a really energetic talk, didn't he? Lots of personal um, illustrations, really, really good. He was amazing, but he really emphasized the importance of team and his experience of working in team and the, the way that team can support and the way that team helps, the way that we can commiserate one another, we can support one another and we can celebrate with each other as well. And the, the importance of mature team was just obvious throughout that whole thing. It's wonderful, isn't it, to see to, and to be able to read things that we already know what the, the conclusion is. I love that in the Bible, but I hate that in films. I don't know about you. I'm not sure I've ever seen Titanic all the way through because I don't see the point. I mean, I know that's really unromantic, but it is just as it is. I know what the ending is. I don't need to read it. But when I read the Bible, it's completely the opposite. I want to know the ending because that gives me great security. I know the ending and therefore I know that Jesus wins. I know that ultimately, therefore, we win too. It's the same with Paul's journey, isn't it? We continue to read on through because we know the end. When I read that book by Guy Grief, to be honest, the only reason I knew that he was going to survive is because he wrote it himself. If somebody else had written it, I could have quite imagined that he probably died in his escapades because he was out there alone and didn't really know what the heck he was doing. And so we come now to um, Acts 14, verses 21 to 28, which is our text for today. So if you want to turn to that in your Bibles, we're going to read. It's a little bit in the middle of the passage. So it is important, actually, that you do know the previous passage, um, talks and passages. So um, I'll do my best to bring it into context for you. But essentially, Paul has gone on a long journey with Barnabas. And he's going to places that um, have, some have yet to know the gospel at all. Others have synagogues, so they understand the Jewish context of it. He's made this journey. It's around 1,200 miles by sea and over land and he has gone to the end of his journey and he's about to double back and come back on himself and this is all the more amazing really when you consider that he was stoned to within an inch of his life that he actually still was brave enough to go back and it shows the level of adventure that this man and his team had I think this probably points also to the way that he was called you remember in the very first talk that Martin spoke, he, they were put aside by the Holy Spirit. They'd been called to this. And so we're going to go now to Acts 14, verses 21 to 28, and we're going to read it through. So it says, they, and that's Paul and Barnabas, preached, to the, gospel, uh, preached the gospel in that city, that was Derby, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. He said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. 
After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From Attilia, they sailed all the way back to Antioch, where they come from, and where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door to faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. We're going to talk about three T's to begin with. We're going to add a fourth one in the conclusion. My prayer today is that we will be encouraged, that we will be empowered, and that we will be commissioned. If indeed, as we believe this is a new chapter, a new start, a new strategic point in our church, we want people to be commissioned in a new way. And with the help of Ellie, who's got some prophetic words that have already been sent through. We're looking for the Holy Spirit to commission people here this morning to the new works that we are, are planning to do and the, the Holy Spirit will give us to do as well. So the first T is travels. The second T is tribulations. And the third T is tales, stories, tales, not dog tales. That would be crazy. The gospel travels and we are its mode of transport. And we see that as Paul and Barnabas and others went on their journeys. They went on this adventure and we equally need to go on our own adventures. What is it that is your adventure? What's your personal adventure? What's your personal calling? Is it your friends and your family? Is it your workplace? Is it in larger context? Is it in small context? What is it? What is your calling to be? For some of us, it will be local. And as Martin alluded to, we believe that we need to really re-embrace that local um, evangelistic call in, in and around this town and around our homes. That's both local to the church building here, but it's also local to your own homes. Many years ago, J. John, who remembers J. John? J. John had this amazing quote. I don't remember quotes particularly well, to be honest, but I do remember this one. And he says, a missionary isn't someone who crosses the sea. It's someone who sees the cross. And I love that because so many times we think that we've got to go somewhere crazy to go and be this missionary. But actually, it's not that. It's about seeing the cross. It's about pointing people to Jesus And as we've seen and we've prayed and we've um, sort of petitioned God for people, it's about enabling them and, and about God enabling them to see him in this saving space of who he is. Where is your community? Where is your missionary field? What is it that you need to do? This isn't a point of... Um, of guilt or oh, I should try harder and I must do better. No, it's not about that at all. As he commissions us, it's something that we will long to do. It's something that we will want to do. For some of us, our part of our missionary base will be about helping send people. It will be about facilitating things. For others, it will be about speaking, about communicating. We each have different gifts and we need to put those gifts to bear against um, the issue of going out and telling people. And so the first point is that, is that the gospel travels and we are its mode of transportation. 
We need to get up and get out. We need to do the things that God has for us. What is it that you're called to do? The second point is tribulations that accompany the gospel. Throughout the Bible, it promises us this. We talk about all sorts of other things as well, which are also utterly true. But it does say that trials and tribulations will accompany our faith. It's not particularly popular to hear it. It certainly is against the culture of the Christian world that we live in. But it is the truth. And it is the truth. And we see that in Paul's ministry himself. We see that in Jesus' ministry too. We see that throughout many of the people in the Bible. Ultimately, and even in this chapter, Paul was stoned. They don't throw stones at people for fun. They don't throw stones at people just to sort of make them run away. No, they were throwing these stones with great intent. And the intent was to kill him. Now, mercifully, he wasn't killed. But can you imagine? He still carried those marks. It says in one of the other books of the Bible that he carries the marks for Jesus. So he would have been scarred. He would have been hurt. And as, as he was traveling on his way, he left that city um, and he would then travel back. He would have traveled back to the same city, knowing that this was a great possibility again. I just marvel at his bravery, at his courage and of his calling, um, that he was so steadfast in those difficulties. How is it that we respond? How is it that we respond when we know there's troubles? When there's troubles in our life, we can see them, we can feel them. How is it that we respond? Who is it that we put our trust in? Are we going to put our trust in ourselves, in our friends, in our family? Or are we going to put our trust in God? I love Romans 8 verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It gives us great confidence, doesn't it? Because it says that even if we have a tough time, we know that it will be to our benefit. Incredible. It's an incredible promise. There are many other promises like it. God loves us so much. If we put our confidence in him, then we can do anything without fear because we know that he is with us. That ultimately doesn't mean that he's going to stop bad things from happening. Of course it doesn't. We've already read that. But what it does say is that we can still trust him because ultimately he's in charge. He is sovereign. I think one of the key points and rolling back to what Roland said and also just when we read through what Paul did and other people within the Bible is that when tribulations come, when tough times are here, being a soloist is a nightmare. We're not called to be soloists. We're not called to be on our own. We're, we're called to be team workers, team players. Sometimes we'll be up and sometimes we'll be down. But if we've got a good, strong team among, uh, around us, we can help those that are down and others can help us when we're down. Teamwork is key. Paul traveled in team. And as Roland said, and in, in his experience, teamwork is incredibly important. And we want to promote that. We want to promote that in our church. Are you a part of a midweek group? Are you a part of a small group uh, of people on a common mission? Maybe that's in the youth team or in the children's work team or whatever team it might be. Get in a team. Get in a group. Don't be on your own. If you're on your own, it'll be far harder. 
you can't always be up. That's, that's not reasonable. It's not an explicable way that our lives go. So let's get parts of team. We, we have great midweek groups. Let's get a part of them. We want to create new environments where team can operate as well. Let's get a part of that. Thirdly, tales of the gospel spreading. You know, as we read the Bible, we see loads and loads of stories, don't we? They're stories about the way that Jesus worked, the way that the apostles operated, stories of the evangelism working well. We, we get this because we've already just read one. But I think we've lost this um, a little bit in our, in our culture, in the way that we can tell stories. Sometimes it can be a little bit like, oh man, not holiday photos, not again. But actually our stories need to tell of who we are and where we've been and what our calling is. We want to be encouraged by you. We want to be encouraged by one another. We want to hear the stories of the way that you were faithful to what God um, asked you to do. Notice that I'm not saying it's about success. It's not about success. The success is that you did it, not what happened after it. The result is not within your control. The result is in God's control. Only he can grow those seeds. But we want to hear the amazing stories that are happening. I know they're already happening. I know that many of you and us, we're doing it. But how do we do it? How do we share that encouragement? How do we get um, those stories out? Again, it's about being in team. It's about being in the midweek groups. It's about being able to share those things. It's not just about the Sunday morning and the big gatherings. It's, that's a, a, an important part, but a small part. The, mo- the more important part is the way that we operate in groups together, friendship circles, ministry groups, and things like that. We need to get better at telling stories. And so as we begin to come into land, I want to just reimagine these three things. So where are you going to travel with the gospel? It was clear for Paul, he'd been anointed and commissioned by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we also are the same, that we also are commissioned by the Holy Spirit to do certain works he has for us to do. At the end, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for one another, I hope. and We've got some prophetic words, like I said at the beginning, and this will be one of the things. Who is it that you're commissioned to go and speak to? Who are you going to talk to about the kingdom of God, about the gospel? Maybe at the moment, actually, you're in the midst of a tribulation. You're in the midst of a tough point. And if you are, we want to support you. We absolutely do. We want to point you to Jesus. We want to point you to the one that can actually rescue you and save you and help you. I've been in many of these over, over my years. And I think that sometimes, I, I remember many years ago, a lady once said to me, you know, one of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray is to ask God for patience. Because if you ask for it, then he will make you really frustrated so that you have to have patience. So I was always very careful not to pray for that. But maybe that was the problem. And so these sort of tribulations, these struggles that I've had, it's because actually I'm not very good at learning the lesson that he has for me. What is it that God's trying to teach you? That's the one thing I've learned in the last 
five, ten years is what is it that God's trying to teach me? What is it that is in my character that needs to be changed, that he's making me frustrated, he's putting me in these more difficult situations? The mature, wise, and it took me years to get there, response is, God, what are you trying to teach me? Not throwing your toys out of the pram and getting irate with him, because then we're not listening. And he is using all these things because he's sovereign. He's in charge, ultimately. We want to help people in tribulation, in times of trouble. Let's love one another. Let's be there for each other. Let's commiserate with each other. But let's point each other back to Jesus so that we learn the lesson that he's trying to teach us quickly so we can then move on. I'm sure we all know what I'm talking about. And then we want to hear the stories. We want to hear the stories about the way that God has worked, both in our lives and in other people's lives, the way that he is using somebody spectacularly or the way that somebody is incredibly faithful and yet is in hard times. Oh, let us be a community of people that wants to sort of walk together and be on a mission, on an adventure together. And as we come into this new phase, that's our aim, that's our goal, and that is the heart's desire of the elders, is that we, as small groups and as a large group, are chasing after God to be commissioned by him, by his Holy Spirit, on the mission that he has set for us. Not out of guilt, but out of joy, out of wanting to do the things that he has for us to do, supporting the people that he calls us to support, speaking to the people that he's asked us to speak to. And so we're going to um, sing a song. So we're going to get the worship team back up just now. But first of all, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come onto each and every one of us, that he would recommission us. And then we're going to do some prophetic um, work. Uh, we're going to focus on him. We're going to see what he has for us. So this is a time for you now to tune in to what he is saying to you. It doesn't matter what I have said. It matters what he says. And so we're going to do that. So Lord, we want to pray. We want to say, Lord, we are here to do the work that you have for us. Father, wouldn't you come and be on us right now as we turn a new page, as we have turned new pages in the last weeks and months, Lord. We want to be commissioned anew, just as Paul was commissioned. Holy Spirit, wouldn't you come on each and every one of our lives? Wouldn't you touch us, Father? Wouldn't you recommission us? Wouldn't you bring dreams of old back into the fore? Lord, if we're struggling, Father, we pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray that you would help us get close to people that will point us to Jesus, that will support us, but that will absolutely keep thrusting us back towards the one that can actually change things. Lord, wouldn't you help us learn lessons quickly? Wouldn't you help us learn lessons well? Father, we want to say we trust you. We recognize that you are sovereign, that you are above all and in all, and that, Father, we want to chase after you in every way that we can. Amen.